Here's our 2020 Vision Radio News update for Wednesday the 27th of July. I am Curtis Morton. Out of Charleston, Nevis, it is with deep sadness that the family of Dr. Rosalind Iola Brown announces her unexpected passing on Saturday, July 16th, 2022. Last year, Dr. Brown repatriated to her homeland and place of her birth, the beautiful island of Nevis in the Caribbean. She planned to spend the remainder of her golden years contributing her gifts to her country and to her people. Dr. Brown left an indelible mark in the learning, development, and educational space. She opened free Christian church schools in the United States during her professional career. She has influenced many individuals and greatly impacted their vocations and careers. Her love for God was reflected in her service to others. She was deeply involved in community outreach activities, visiting the sick, as well as serving as a mentor and inspiring young people. Everyone who knew her will miss her tremendously, but her impact and her light will live on through whom she touched. May her soul rest in peace. Still out of Charleston, Nevis, as Election Day in the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis looms closer, Nomination Day was held on Tuesday, 26 July. During carnivals and culturama, there has been the occasional clash of bands. On Tuesday, there was a bit of a clash of parties in Charlestown as the CCM's party's motorcade passed through on Main Street. It was interpreted as a disturbance to the ongoing public meeting being held at that time by the Nevis Reformation Party. Carlisle Powell was most present on the day. I know that there are people out there on Facebook who are saying all kind of things about NRP and um, the fact that we stood up to him today. But those same people have not told him one word about what he's doing to Jan Dr. Janice Daniel Hodge. Mm -hmm. They have not said a word to him because whatever he does apparently is right. Listen, that done. We're putting a stop to that. So that is why... The individual there in the green shirt and the brown panther don't even know who he is. <laughs> he allowed the music to pass so that the, can, the noise could get out of the way. And then make a point. Listen, what you're doing is childish. It is stupid. It is foolish. It is vindictive. And you ought not to do something like this. I really, I've asked um, my sources to find out if they received permission for that. Because I doubt it very much. And if they didn't receive permission for it, the police ought to have stopped them and told them what you're doing is wrong. And this is what he has been doing all along, disrespecting the people of Nevis, disrespecting anybody who is not on his side, and then having a laugh about it. Listen, that done. And out of Varsity St. Kitts, nomination day on the island of St. Kitts also had its share of drama. One of the highlights of the day was a clash between the People's Labour Party and the St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party as they crossed the paths during their respective marches. Andre Huey of the SKN Newsline shares some of the mood in some of the constituencies yesterday. He's now greeting some of the supporters signing on the sidewalk. All right, yeah. Yeah. In these elections, I'm happy to see so many, so many persons from constituency number eight in their red and ready. I want to thank those who nominated me, Ms. Sharon Bass and Mr. Keandre Weeks. I want to thank them very much and I want to thank my family, 
for supporting me and all those in the community who are supporting me. Labour is ready in constituency number eight and there's no doubt that we will take this constituency and take the elections in just a short few days to go. So Liberation Day is around the corner. Um, you tell, uh, tell us a bit about the process, the nomination process today compared to 2015 and you had expressed some concerns surrounding the, the list. Right, so I expressed some concerns about the list because I'm supposed to be presented with a list on nomination and that is part of the rule. I spoke to the supervisor of elections, I met, uh, reached an agreement with him and so I'll collect my list today. But the rules must always be followed as far as I'm concerned so that there can be a smooth process and we can have confidence in the system. We cannot take any chances with our democracy, as I've been saying from time to time. about the process? Well, the process was quite a straightforward one. I've been here before. Um, our people would have been coached through the process where you go in, you are given a form to sign, where you declare you are as a candidate and you have no reason um, that you should not be a candidate. And then after that, you would have paid your money, which is $150, and then you'll have those who came to nominate you to also sign. And they would have to be, um, of course, constituents of constituency number eight. My nominators today were Mr. Keandre Weeks and Ms. Sharon Bias, two persons who I appreciate very much and I thank very much. I noticed that when the people's action movement had first put out their information, you had 10 o'clock. Right, but we gave them difference. They right. said they wanted 10 o'clock, we gave them 10 o'clock. We say we have 11 o'clock, the things have gone 11 o'clock, it's time for them to get out of here. It's time for us to go on with the business of the, of the nomination. Alright, we'll talk to you then as soon as you come out. Sir, thank you. In constituency number three, supporters of the People's Labour Party and the St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party clashed as they arrived on the pathway to the nomination centre in Lagrete around the same time. Here is a feed from the live stream of Labour Party candidates Conris Maynard's social media page. Former Prime Minister Denzel Douglas of the St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party was nominated in constituency number six for the ninth time since 1989. I want to thank Mr. Warner of St. Paul's living in the Bay, who has gone through the necessary procedure of having me nominated. Yes. You first nominated me in 1989 yes. my heart is full and glad yes i thank you the people of st paul's the people of newton ground the people of dirk bay and parsons and poxon lavington lynch's saddler's houses i thank you again for your support and you had two excellent representatives of you, the people, in there with me today. Yes. Javan Alford. Yes. And Tracy. Give them an applause. Yes. My dear people, so far, we are winning the election. Yes. But today is another formal step in ensuring that you return the right candidate. Nothing 
else, nothing better than Dr. Denzel L. Douglas, DLD, We'll have more highlights of nomination day activity of the other constituencies, including on Nevis, in our subsequent newscast. Andre Huey, SKN Newsline. We go to break, and when I come back, we'll have news on the regional scene. Out of Montserrat, the Office of the Deputy Governor on the Inquiry, we get this ZJB radio report. The Public Accounts Committee, or PAC, has launched an inquiry into the operation and financing of the Office of the Deputy Governor. Speaking at the launch of the inquiry, Committee Chairman Honorable Paul Lewis indicated that he is pleased that the Public Accounts Committee can continue to facilitate the process of transparency and accountability as it relates to government expenditure. The inquiry will be open to the public and a seated public gallery will be available for those who wish to attend the meeting. The hearing will be aired at Radio Montserrat and carried live by Live Islands on Facebook and YouTube. Mr. Lewis outlines the purpose of the inquiry during Tuesday's sitting of the Legislative Assembly. Financial year 2022 to 2023, our current financial year, the PAC, as part of its work plan for the financial year just mentioned, will consider two inquiries in the second and third quarter namely one inquiry in operation and financing of the office of the deputy governor two inquiry of public accounts 2020 the public accounts committee pack has launched an inquiry into the operation and financing of the office of the deputy governor's office the purpose of the inquiry is to scrutinize the operations and finances of the office of the deputy governor with a view to making recommendations where necessary 
The findings and recommendations will be debated and adopted by Parliament. The public evidence session will be held on Thursday, July 28th, starting at 9 a.m. at the Braids Arts and Education Centre. And out of St. John's in Antigua, one man remains unaccounted for following Monday morning's fire in Green Bay. Police have intensified the investigation into the fiery disaster, which has also displaced over a dozen people. Terry Andrews gives this report. The destruction seen from above shows the path of the fire which gutted several homes in Green Bay. The images are heartbreaking to those who once called here home. Inspector Lester Baggett confirms there is one person still unaccounted for. During our investigations in the fire department, as we were executing the duty, we became aware that someone was unaccounted for, right? So, and we still, at the end of our operation, that person was still unaccounted for in the mopping up stage of our um, execution of our duties. We saw what appears to be bones, right? And immediately the folks from the forensic department of the police force and the CID, they were called in to investigate. The police have informed ABS News that human remains were in fact found at the Green Bay Hill fire. A medical doctor arrived on the scene and pronounced the body dead. The man who police say is unaccounted for is 44-year-old Bevis Belto, who occupied one of the gutted homes with his family. There was no confirmation up to late Monday that the remains found were his. Those who lost their homes and everything they owned were distraught. Sonia James is one of those individuals. My daughter says so she here a buff and when she look out there's a blaze inside the, the neighbor house and trying to throw water and get out of control. We tried to throw water, me and my son and the other neighbor. But the fire was so strong, we have to run out and catch my house. We don't save anything, everything is destroyed. Complete. Irma Wright has been living in Green Bay Hill for over 40 years. She is a diabetic and recently had her leg amputated. She had to be rescued from one of the burning houses by a neighbor. It's not easy because I'm telling you, I have a lot of things in my house and I have nothing now. Nothing, nothing. I'm just trying to be strong for my children and them. Another homeowner, Ron White, whose home was destroyed, says he had recently moved in. My head hurt me. I don't know if I do me in a position, I don't know what to do because I don't live in the house for a month yet. But just buy a new brand stove, a new brand bed for my kids and them, a new brand chair set. All my money just gone, just like nothing. The fireman could have cost less damage. Less than thank God we showing water as the whole around here will burn out. Another member of the community, Casroy Andrew, credits the close-knit community for assisting despite the damage caused by fire. He says it could have been worse. To tell the truth, a lot of people come from all over that me even recognize. Come and take out stuff out of the people's house and I throw water and so on. I try to help with the effort for the, for, for the, for the medifier spread. You understand? A lot, a lot of community service happened here today. You understand? A lot of people that are not even from this area that come and put in a hand and help her out. Inspector Baggard says the fire department appreciates the help of the community but makes an appeal to the general public. We would like to thank the members of the community 
who assisted in firefighting in the early stages. But what we also want to ask is that when a fire starts, although there might be some folks who are trying to extinguish it, we are asking if they can at least designate someone to call the fire department in that early stage. Because what I found that happened, definitely happened this morning, is that people are saying that the fire truck took long to come. But really what happened is that there were persons trying to out the fire before the fire brigade was even called. So by the time the fire brigade was called and responded immediately, the fire was already in progress. So when we got there, you know, houses were already involved in, in fire. Terry Andrew. ABS News. And internationally out of Canada, Pope Francis makes an historic apology. We get this Democracy Now! report. Pope Francis has apologized for the abuse of Indigenous children who were separated from their families and sent to church-run residential schools in Canada, where they face psychological, physical and sexual abuse. Pope Francis is on the apology tour since Monday in Muscochis, Alberta, the site of a former residential school. I myself wish to reaffirm this, with shame and unambiguously humbly beg forgiveness for the evil committed by so many Christians against the indigenous peoples. The Pope's apology comes seven years after Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission accused church-run residential schools of taking part in a form of cultural genocide. The commission also determined more than 4,000 Indigenous children died from neglect or abuse in residential schools from the late 19th century through the 1940s. Unmarked graves are still being found. We'll have the latest on the Pope's historic apology tour after headlines. Now to our weather update, the local weather forecast was St. Kitts and Nevis, Valley up to 8 p.m. today, Wednesday, the 27th July. The weather today partly cloudy with a 60% or moderate chance of showers. The winds east at 23 to 32 kilometers per hour or 14 to 20 miles per hour. The sea is 1.5 to 1.8 meters or 5 to 6 feet. The sunrise today was at 5.49 a.m. The sunset today is at 6.46 p.m. I am Curtis Morton, wishing you a marvelous day.